Welcome to the Rock and Roll Survivors Podcast, dedicated to those in front of the curtain, behind the curtain, and somewhere in between. I'm Kristen, and on season one, the legendary rock star Patty Quattro joins us to discuss her time with the band Fanny, the fabulous feedback from the international press, David Bowie's contributions to the fifth and final Fanny album, and so much more. So let's get started. Well, the episode is finally here. I am so excited. We have been teasing you about Fanny's rock opera. And Patty, you found it. You have it in your archives. And you found the 12-page script that that goes along with this amazing rock opera. And I have had a chance to listen to it now. It's 51 minutes and 38 seconds long. And I need to give you a full-throated apology that I even giggled at the thought that a rock opera made me think of Spinal Tap and Stonehenge because this is brilliant. I mean, for lack of a better word, I am, I'm gobsmacked over the fact that you pulled this off and it was so good and you were so tight and we are going to be playing a lot of it, not necessarily all of it today in this episode, but what we really wanted to focus on is the script. And Patty, you're going to walk us through this idea. And so I'm just going to dive right in and ask you a question about it. So just for our listeners who may not have heard about Fanny's rock opera before, Am I right in remembering that you brought the idea of a rock opera from your previous band, Cradle, to Fanny? Yes, we did that way back, and it uh, it was in Cradle, and it was a seven-minute song, so it wasn't exactly an opera, but the seven-minute song had elements in it that I didn't bring to Fanny, which make it so very different, but still the same. I mean, things got pulled to Fanny. And when we get back in time to that point in time, it is amazing. Nancy was a whaler and it was just a beautifully constructed seven minute song that we put together, Susie, me and Nancy. And, and well, it'll be fabulous. I can't wait that later. I can't wait. Another tease. (laughs) It was, it was a fan fave again. It was like so orchestrated and timpani drums and everything. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. And then it went to Fanny and got developed even well, further. And you and I were talking about Nikki Barkley, the, the keyboardist, the organist for Fanny. Yeah. Was she, she must have been so excited at the thought of doing a rock opera. Tell us about Nikki's response. Tell us about the band's response. You touched upon the fact that Brie was eh, about it, but Nikki was excited. And Jean, what was her response? I think Jean was sort of in the middle. She was going along with everything, but really Nikki had the excitement and the same sort of thought process that I did. Now, that's just my feeling of what I was getting from them. I could be wrong. I remember Nikki being into it. She wrote a a lot of stuff for it, and the songs she wrote just were perfect for it. She added elements on keys that just were perfect. I was so happy to have her input. And we had a lot of fun developing it. You know, I remember it with a very good feeling because it was about, it became about growing up, you know, people growing up in the modern confusion that kids go through and social issues. And it was scripted. It like told the story of this 
planted in our gender identities and everything in a big ball of confusion. And what are we going through now? What's going on now in the world? It still stands up. That's what flips me out. Even more so now with all the confusion and division in the world. It really does stand up, not only in terms of the social commentary, but musically. And again, we're going to be playing bits of it throughout this episode. But the script that we have, at least the copy that you sent me, it opens up with the words sage and novice. So these are obviously two characters. And I'm curious if you remember who was sage and who was novice. And then I want to read a little bit of the script to you. Do you remember? Well, this is a little bit of a... Let's go backwards just for a second. It starts with an apologia where we sing this little portion uh, to satisfy. It's like announcing what we're going to be doing to the audience. Uh, To satisfy your curiosity, we have planned a show of rare delights and fantasy. And it goes on to explain what we're going to be performing. And then we it goes into the overture, which is the apologia. It sort of uh, puts a few of the songs together, little bits of them to introduce what's coming. And then it's still and then it starts with the uh, sage and novice. And this is a trick. Because it's a dichotomy at the end. It's a contradiction. I don't know if you caught it. I mean, we knew what we were doing, and there's a typo on the script pages. But it's like the sage could be anybody with wisdom, you know, that's lived life and all that. It's not necessarily any certain thing. And the novice is like the young person growing up and asking questions. I mean, this the sage says, I gave you the answers and filled in the lines, you know. And... And the novice says, sir, it's my question. The problem is mine. You know, he isn't understanding. And it goes through those kinds of things. And then at the end, it turns on its ear because it's uh, the sage getting uh, flippant and a little tired of this nonsense. You know, here are the answers in black and white. And the novice says, can't you see that things are not right? Won't you listen to what I've said? It's like the novice is saying, I've learned things too now from you. Yeah. And and then his final thought is, how can I listen to someone who's dead, meaning the sage? So the novice takes over at the end, and it's it's just really it's a clever twist. I he love that. the sage, you know, like okay, love so, it. Yeah, <laughs> and on like the- putting a point on it at the end, you know, okay, you think you know everything? No, you're dead. You're dead. And it is all in caps because we're looking at the script as we're talking about this, which I love. So we had talked about your song, Beggar Man, on a previous episode. Mm-hmm. And this is the song that now kicks in after Sage and Novice, after Novice basically flips it on its head and tells Sage, you're dead. And then we go into your song, Beggar Man.
again, we've talked about it, but in this context, as a rock opera song, and as the first song to kick it off, talk to us about that. Well, I wanted to start right with that because it went into one of the first issues, you know, the drugs and, and street life and kids growing up in that and all. It just seemed to fit. And we I don't think we had introduced It's a Trap yet in, in the opera, but it'll come after this. And it just it just set the scene for the first social issue that I felt that we were going on. And Nikki's part fits so good with it. Oh, my God. It really does. We, we touched on so many issues and, and we would touch on life in general in our times and all the modern confusion we go through. One of the lines I love, and then we'll, we'll get to what you were talking about with traps is, and we talked about this, but I love the line when you say beggar man, stranger in my town. And mm. then you go to the world won't care. You're hurting me. That's all right. You're playing the game for free. Wait and see, wait and see. And you said this was about drugs. And I, that line, the world won't care, you're hurting me, is so powerful. Because people during that time and even now are turning a blind eye to a lot of people completely hurting themselves. Yep. And, and it was so sad, the tear and all that. It's like, you know, what are you choosing to do with your life? There's so much good. And it. it just, it was sad to me. You know, I've said it a million times. That's just the way my mind was. I just was overviewing all the time, my little own rock historian in my own mind, because I lived so differently in my mind, even though it was all around me for years, for decades. Well, so. and I think, I think I just want to underscore that because you were not writing just about feelings as a woman or feelings as a rock female musician, there was such a larger subject matter to your songs and such a more uh, heavy topical idea. It's not that you, there's a put down to just singing about female love or, you know, but even in your song, Long Distance Lover, it had a larger yeah, yeah. narrative to it. So getting back to the rock opera, you, you mentioned Traps. So Traps is oh. a song. And it's, it's great. Nikki wrote it. Oh, he wrote traps. And it's great because it, it weaves in and out. This is it's a connector. It's a it's connector. Our connector. And it was meant to be. And it just, it fits perfectly right there to be a connector in the way the words were in about the modern confusion. You know, it's a trap life. You know, I mean, we're, it's sort of pessimistic, but just saying the truth, you know, Nikki was just blisteringly honest in the words. I mean, some of the words, you know, modern life moves fast, changes the order of today. Well, look what we're going through now. Mm -hmm. The present tide of future shock has swept our past away. I mean, she was very insightful in this little section that she could, you know, that she made up. People find it hard to cope with death and taxes, sex and dope. Did I hear you say life's a snap? You best look out. It's a trap. And she says it so positive. I love it. And then the drums begin. And, you know, and, and the little part of it says, you know, I look around me and everybody playing a role, imitations of real life. How much do we get caught up in that through our life? Playing a role, you know, not doing our passion or just being confused or whatever. And that's everything that's going on right now. It's just a friggin' mess. So, to well, me, also, just like, 
perfect. It is perfect. But it, just to continue what you're saying, I mean, her her next line is imitations of real life. The, yes. part, the part is simple, but it's taking its toll because it's a trap. And yes. it is all yes. of our confines in terms of our where we're locked in, whether within ourselves or, or within society. I mean, as you're saying, it really could be written today. And I yes. love it. Yes. She ends it with, you'll never get out of it. You'll never get away. You'll never get away. It's a trap. I mean, <laughs> it's so perfect. I love that connector. And we used it over and over through, a few times in the opera. Did I hear you say life's a snap? Well, don't look now. But it's a trap! part of the opera is it starts off <laughs> i love this it's it's almost a three point, yes um it's the characters that come out so gene is first and yeah. trap number one it's it reads yeah. and it's gene and she is the quote ingenue and the narrator so gene will says a girl of 17 summers leaves her sheltered home ready to take on the world and make it her own Armed only with an earnest smile, assured that love won't burn, she wears her virtue like a badge. So innocent, she'll learn. And then is the that Gene? That's Gene. Is that Gene? Totally, is that Gene? It couldn't have fit more perfectly for Gene to sing that from her background and where she came from at a younger age. And this, you know, it's funny. It spoke to me of her burgeoning sexuality. She was coming into her own so heavily and vocally, too. I mean, I always tell her that, you know, you really came out. That's what rounding out does when you're away from your sisters and you're forced into a new incarnation or whatever. It's good stuff. It's all it's good. good stuff. You know, it's not bad. And uh, I wouldn't have had anyone else sing that piece and say that piece. It was perfect. And the song, I mean, it was retrospective of Bowie. And she was having a hot affair with, and it was uh, pretty raunchy. You know, that one was banned in Boston, the Butter Boy. I mean, we'll get to that, but, you know, we've talked about it. Um, but and it's I, funny that. Yeah, no, go ahead. I want you to continue. It, it, I do want to just interject. Also, I mean, she was with my dad. She was very young. Yes. I mean, it's yes. incredibly like cringeworthy now in today's world, <laughs> but she was like 19. I know. So, yes, and of course with Bowie as well. But one of the things, and I, I really did not mean to interrupt you, but when you were talking about Jean's like coming into her sexuality here, that's what I loved about this particular performance is yes. there's no remorse or regret. It's more like the novice becomes the sage. She understands what she went through and now she's taking it to a different level and, and is embracing it. 
So I would love it, Patty, if you would read, unless you remember the, the music to it. It says the ingenue sings 17. Um, it, I'll, I'll write a few pertinent lines. I mean, read. I'm only 17, love light in my eyes, awkward and in between. I stumble because I'm shy. And she was. She was, June was much stronger mm -hmm. and Jean was gentler, you know, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. She was a sweet girl. Dying to play the part, careless and break his heart. That's what beauties do. You know, she's learning. Um, I meant to flash, but my daddy doesn't have the spending cash. She's learning about this uh, male-female thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't ask for much. I'll give more than I'll take. Boys only like to touch. They can't tell what is fake. <laughs> Blooming virility, down on virginity, live for here on now. They can't understand that it takes more than a score to make a man. I mean, she's saying some interesting things that she's learning as an ingenue. And I love it. Um, so and then, then after that, the band, all of you come in. Uh huh. And then you did you sing. see? Did you see her eyes? Did you see her eyes wondering when I'd see him again? She sings that sort of in a sad voice. You know, am I going to see him again? You know, was that all it was? A score? I mean, it's interesting. Wow. And then so now the connector is traps again. That comes back in. Yes. And now Bree. Her chapter oh. two is Brie being the whore. So, yeah. Patty, as the narrator, read Brie's part for us, please. Oh, my God. And this fit Brie. She's just pretty ballsy girl. I mean, it was perfect for her to do this one. Uh, living and learning can harden one's heart. Bitten and burned, she's turned to a tart. It's like the next evolution after the ingenue. Um, you know, all about gender roles and what we go through. She knows what they want now. There's no room for doubt. She's lost her illusions of what love's about. And what's more, she likes it. This lady puts out. And then you go into Butterboy and it was so irreverent. This is the one that was about David. And I think Jean, Bowie affected her in a way that she was going to get out there and just, you know, say stuff. She became a little more ballsy about expressing her stuff. And she wrote this. And it's pretty hardcore for the times. It was banned in Boston because it was too much. You know, he was hard as a rock. I was ready to roll. What a shock to find out that I was in control of the situation. You know, it, it's just it's hilarious to me. Blow, baby, blow. Flex your muscle. Show what you know. Oh, my God. Fire down below. Well, <laughs> it's the line, just in your face. It's in your face. And the line that I've only recently come to not appreciate, but how, I mean, no wonder you guys were banned. This was, what, uh -huh. 1974? But yeah. if she's talking about David Bowie here, right? And in yes. the line, she writes... He said, oh, you're too much for my inclination, and I've had my share of deviation. That's really incredible. She's basically telling that time, yeah. Bowie is telling Jeannie she's too much. <laughs> and, and, she, and, and it's amazing to think how high that got in the charts before some station finally banned it. I mean, it was okay. <laughs> and that made people want to play it more. Of course. It, it was so in your face with the sexuality of a woman, you know. 
I mean, in those times, you know, it was just different. It was different. Women were buttoned up and pigeonholed, you know, be the little wife at home. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I also love, and we're going to play a little bit of it. I love your live version of Butter Boy, especially within an opera setting. It's much heavier it's much sexier oh my god it's much sexier that was nikki putting in the piano almost like the stripper song Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean she added stuff in there that Vinny didn't do in the studio and i was like okay you missed a bet honey you know just my opinion as a musician but you know you don't always have the say so on everything it was gene's song and she must have gone along with it and Nikki must have gone along with it, but I would have done what Nikki did. I mean, come on. He was hard as a rock. I was ready to roll. What a shock to find out. 